So every time I speak to individuals at organizations or boards or really anyone at small nonprofits, the number one thing they say when we talk about fundraising is, I don't know anyone who can give. And this drives me crazy because that's just not true. But where that comes from is we have this sort of picture of what a donor is or looks like in our brains, and that's controlling how we approach fundraising. And so today we are really going to dive into everything you thought about giving and donors is wrong. And there's a lot of academic evidence to support this. And yeah, so buckle your seatbelts. We are going to really bust some big myths about who donors are. And I guarantee you by the end, you will be able to think about, oh, I know this person who can give and that person who can give. You are listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical, down-to-earth advice on how to get more done for your small nonprofit. You are going to change the world, and we're here to help. So I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and today I'm joined by Tim Sarantonio, who is the director of corporate brand at Neon One. He has 20 years experience of fundraising, calls himself a failed academic, but honestly, when you look at this report, it is uh, just a really academic and rigorous approach to looking at our donors. And so with that, I'm so excited to welcome Tim, who is the author of Donors, Understanding the Future of Individual Giving, uh, which I believe is sort of spearheaded by Neon One, but really involved a lot of different players in our sector and outside of our sector to get a realistic live perspective of who our donors are. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Cindy. I am so excited to be here. I hope we didn't lose everybody by calling it an academic paper. <laughs> by the way, there's a lot of fun in here, folks. There's, there's a lot of fun. fun in here. Yeah. If Tim is anything, he is fun. I we, <laughs> we totally, I feel like we could talk for hours about everything and anything. And so, yep. um, but what I mean by uh, academic is that there's rigor behind the research. That, and that was intentional. And and I think you hit on, on the reasons why we spearheaded this report. So we serve tens of thousands of organizations in the nonprofit space, primarily in the U.S. and Canada. And small, small to mid-sized organizations in particular. And what frustrated me in the wake of the pandemic was a few key things. Number one, all the research that ended up getting cited was from 2019 or before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I saw all this glut of stuff. Number two, anything new that I saw was from firms and vendors that obviously had a marketing agenda without that rigor. Mm. Can't say that something had 77% year over year growth when you're starting from zero. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So great. You, you grew, you grew $0 to $77. Okay. <laughs> so then finally, I also hated the fact that whenever you read research, you always had to have this lens. Like I would always talk to people and they would say, oh, but you're like from a vendor. 
Mm. And and so that would automatically have an element of distrust in it. And so what I want to do is is look at everything. I read like everything that came out in the pandemic in terms of art, the nonprofit, social good sector. And I said, okay, what's good? Yeah. What's good? I don't care if it's from Bloomerang or or Blackboard or or whoever. Like if it's good, let's cite it. Yeah. And just to be for some of our listeners who might not know what those uh what those companies are things are yeah they are so there's boomerang blackbaud neon one there's so many more these are all databases really that that have access to a lot of donor around data around donor behavior Mm -hmm. from their constituents. And I think what I love about this approach is you said, it's not just our data. It's not just their data. Forget the idea of competition. We're going to just look at the broader sector and whoever is willing to share reliable information. will will look at that. We'll include that. What? So, and I kind of had the view for the Lord of the Rings fans out there, one report to rule them all when it came to individual (laughs) giving. So we answered the questions, who, what, when, where, why, how donors give, Mm -hmm. basically. So so we we, we try to get that holistic understanding. Each chapter is broken out like that. So um, if you're you're looking for for a good foundation, this is it. Yeah. Uh, And I love that that. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said like, a lot of times we don't trust if it's just one vendor who's like, this is all our data. Uh, But that this really is, as you said, the one report to rule them all. Um, Now we got a lot of data, like, like we were able to draw on $2.2 billion in 2020, uh, uh, one, 2020, 21 analysis alone. So that's the thing. Like I also hate surveys. Um, So a lot of times you see like, X, Y is like X percentage of donors hate this. And it's like from 300 people. And and or, that drives me crazy. Yeah. Or it's what they believe, like how they answer information, how they answer surveys is not always reflective of how they behave. Donors lie all the time. And it's not the because time. they're intentionally lying. It's that they misremember things. And that mm-hmm. we'll get into that, I imagine, yeah. in, in the pod, podcast today. Awesome. So the part, there's so much in this report. Um, it is not small, but I, as I said in the introduction, like my interest is really around who gives, because I think that there's, especially with small organizations, this idea that like, it's not an idea. It's articulated to me all the time where people say, I don't know anyone who can give. And that really really bothers me for a lot of reasons. I'm sorry if you've said that to me, I'm going to tell you right now it bothers me because really we all give, right? Most of us, especially if we work in this sector, we give and chances are what we imagine when we say that is like that big local philanthropist who happens to be you know, 65 year old white man. Yeah. Who, close your eyes. Yeah, close yeah. your eyes. Let's be real. Close your eyes. Like everyone listening and yeah. picture donor picture. <laughs> when I say the word philanthropist, what does yeah. that person look like? Like, like it, your gut, what's your immediate gut reaction? Yeah. And yeah. more often than not, even uh, unless you are intentionally cultivating with underrepresented communities, 
then you know what's up basically but even like the idea of representation is a fallacy because as your report shows when we actually look at who's giving Mm -hmm. well okay let's get into it because this is this this is something i'm so passionate about and you have the data to back it up so very often one of the things we um that I hear that people picture when we think, who do I know who can give is who do I know who can give like upwards of Mm $10,000. And that's just like, most people don't give that much money. So when we think about the income of individual donors, what did you learn? So what we learned and we relied on, on a U.S. data set from the university of Michigan for this, that's a free panel uh, than anybody can access. And it cross-referenced a bunch of different stuff. Um, and they've been um, speaking. This is one of the one instances where like panel data is good because it's very rigorously maintained. Mm-hmm. And so they found that around, I think it was between, you know, 1.7 to 2.01%, something like that. Forgive me, folks, if I'm misquoting my own data uh, reference, but but around like a little one and a half to 2%, regardless of your income, that's what you're going to be setting aside for charity, right? Like like not just rich folks, but folks of any any size. And this is to formal nonprofits. We're not talking mutual aid. We're not talking other other ways of generosity. This is like formal donations to charity. And this could be religious giving, you know, zakats coming up uh, now where I'm getting some of the solicitations for that. We have um, Jewish holidays that are happening, right? Discounts, right? Like these are things that drive people and it doesn't matter your income you're going to give. And what's not in the report, but I saw this afterwards cited by Mark Phillips over at Blue Frog Consulting was similar UK data mm-hmm. that has come out too. So, yeah. so this is, this is uh, uh, international when it comes to its, its, its consistency here. Yeah. So I'm just going to repeat that, that regardless of your income level, mm-hmm. most people on average give between one and a half to 2% of their income, which means if you have more money, it doesn't mean you're the sum is bigger, but it doesn't mean you're more. You're not more generous. Likely, yeah, to get. <laughs> you're not. You're not a more per capita generous person. Yeah. Uh, and actually, there w- were were some studies a few years ago that showed that um, some folks at the lower income levels were actually more prone to give higher amounts yeah. uh, as a percentage. So. And I feel like some of the things that came out of the pandemic around the digitization of giving to the ability to give recurring donations more spread out um, that that has helped that has helped uh, open open things. There's still a lot of money given by traditional, you know, direct mail checks, but it's 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 gotten accelerated in its opportunity for people to give. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I love that. The other, there's a few, you know, um, very often, as we said, we picture philanthropy as mm-hmm. white people. Yeah. Um, how, I love this one. How does race come into play when we think about who is giving? So, uh, and I'm actually, uh, this one is an important one that I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saying the right data too. So what was fascinating is that the Urban Institute has done some analysis, multi-year analysis on this. Um, 
and and also the the Federal Reserve in the U.S. has done this too, where black families in the United States are going to more likely give higher percentages of their their uh, annual income to charity versus other demographics. Um, so uh, again. We talk about this in the report. There's a lot of socioeconomic institutional factors that we have to keep in mind here in terms of who has access to wealth. But there's there's some really, really amazing research that we cite. And there's about over 50 different resources in the appendix. And they're written out too. like, what's the context? Why you find this interesting? And the, the stuff about race and ethnicity, really, really fascinating. And it's much more nuanced, especially some of the analysis that's been done even further than that, diving into um, the nuances in Asian communities, for instance, mm. and what what might drive them, uh, uh, because that is not monolithic, right? Like, anybody has not. to see the movie Turning Red, for instance, yes. to know, yeah? Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. big fan over here yeah. in the San Antonio household, by the way, my my four year olds just randomly singing the song. So <laughs> it, it, all you have to do is know like a movie like that is telling a story that you typically don't hear. Mm-hmm. And and so there's different nuances in communities, too, when it comes to giving. But ultimately, though, all all people are generous. They're just different ways that they're showing their generosity. Absolutely. And you have in the report, you have what you call guest insight by my friend, Sabrina Walker Hernandez, who Mm -hmm. will have just been on the podcast by the time this airs. What was her take on uh, this analysis? Well, she did a deep dive and we thought it was important to hear directly from somebody who comes from from a community that is underrepresented in the narrative. So she talks specifically about black philanthropy and really goes to say, like, there's a lot of unconscious bias that that even black fundraisers might have in terms of the communities that they're reaching out to. Think about if you're doing a wealth screening in your database or maybe you don't have a database and you're like, well, what neighborhood am I going to, you know, maybe hold an event, right? Mm. Like, how does this influence your planning and your decisions? These are actionable things that if you take the breath before you go too too hard into your planning process, you might be able to actually open up a bigger, bigger opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. And listeners, if you haven't heard that podcast episode, uh, it's well with Sabrina, it's well worth listening to. It's about capital campaigns, but also part of her experience in doing a really big capital campaign in a very impoverished neighborhood was the community campaign component. So definitely worth listening to. Love it. Um, Another big, big myth that comes up for people I hear from all the time is this idea that like, when we're asking people to give, we're making them uncomfortable. We're twisting their arm. You know, we're asking for a personal favor and it's not, and it could damage our friendships. I mean, (laughs) layer upon layer of, of this excuse that like people don't actually want to do this. So Tell me a little bit about what you found in this or in your research that's reflected in the report about people's motivation or how they feel when they give. Yeah. So we we also cite in chapter five on the why people give. We we take a, a pause as well on the transaction and say, let's look at the biological and the psychological here. 
And and there's been some really amazing work done by the Institute for Sustainable Philanthropy and Philanthropic Psychology. I was lucky enough to take a course during the writing of this report um, to obtain a certificate in said thing. So, um, you know, uh, I'm not an expert by any means, of course, uh, but but uh, we did find and cite things that show that, look, when somebody gives the brain's dopamine centers basically activate at a higher rate than either receiving or entering into a more transactional item here. And so the trick is to understand that. And I think one of the best practical pieces of advice that I can give is one, people do want to give and they love it. Right. I was actually even writing something up uh, yesterday on um, thank you notes and gratitude. Mm. And, and there was some, some psychological uh, journal research done on like, it's undervalued about the exchange of something like writing a thank you note. Yeah. Right. Like both. And I had my kids, we got like our Easter, this is when it, we're, we're recording this Easter is coming up and we got some money from the aunts. And so I was like, write your thank you notes. And they had such a blast actually like designing the card and yeah. all this type of stuff. And my daughter, put a dollar in the thank you card, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. My wife's like, why? And I'm like, just let it roll. Cause I knew yeah. about that research. So, so what's fascinating though, is just in general, people are going to enjoy this. They're going to activate it. And the best piece of actionable advice I can give a small shop is when you're designing something like an appeal, for instance, when you're writing your thank you notes, or the emails that go out, or thinking about when you are talking to somebody, ask yourself, am I looking at the person or am I looking at the transaction? Mm. Good example here, real quick, is your thank you note, typical thank you. Thank you for your generous gift of X, Y, and Z. I'm not talking mm. about CRA receipts or anything like this. I'm talking about the stewardship piece. Yeah. Thank you for your gift, your generous gift on this date in this amount. That's looking at the money. Yeah. The switch is you are a generous person because you gave on this. So notice that the, all it is is a little bit of a perspective change. And so that what you'd want to do is validate the person because of the gift and they're going to love it. They're going to love you for it. That is such a good insight. Um, I hope all of you right now are going to rewrite your Go rewrite your stuff. Um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about there. This is full of actionable insights. Um, but the one that, again, like I think most of our listeners need to hear is that individual giving is big and you have donors all around you. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about like the future of individual giving and why organizations might need to like double down on this strategy instead of, I mean, very often I hear, well, we, you, we need to do corporate fundraising. We need to write grants. And I, I talk a lot in lots of different places about the mindset around that and why it is we think that way. But talk to me about the evidence around why individual giving is well worth your your while your time yeah i mean look the the data is very clear here that in the, the the spectrum of types of engagement individual giving is by and far away the largest driver of generosity 
when people are opening their wallet. I'm not talking about government grants. You know, that's a completely different realm here, different type of expertise. But even something like a foundation grant from your local community foundation, that's different types of work, right? Like that's more strategic uh, in terms of like when you're activating that and going for that, you don't want to change your programming versus individual giving is telling a story and inviting the person along for that. Yeah. And so you could do that without sacrificing anything other than, you know, a few pieces of paper and some email time, right? Like, like that's, that's the beauty of it, that it's very cost effective to do this, but it's also cost effective to focus on making sure these people come back. <laughs> because retention is one of the biggest things that people say, well, I, I have to, you know, get donors. And then what do I do with them? And you have to think of this as a full funnel engagement yeah. the entire way. But we're talking like out of the entire $477 billion that that gave in the United States alone. And we're doing our Canadian research, folks, by the way, too. But $477 billion in 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020. Uh, the 2021 research will be out later this year. So 2020, 477 billion, 69% was individual giving, 69%, right? Yeah. Corporate giving went down during the pandemic, okay? So if you think you're going to get a lot of stuff from your local corporation, do it as a match grant for your local individual giving campaign, basically. So a lot of amazing reasons to do it, but we saw some really encouraging increases in the number of people came back who who wanted to give went up during the pandemic Mm -hmm. the people who are giving smaller amounts are more more energized now if we continue to cultivate them pandemic givers stuck around in general we brought people back it's not all sunshine we talk about that in the report um retention still continuing to be a major issue but there's a lot of bright spots here I love that. Anything that we haven't had a chance to talk about that you are just like, want to stand on a rooftop and shout that everyone needs to, to hear or know. Okay. I'll do, I'll do a tactical one and then I'll do like my favorite tactical item. And then I'll do one of my more larger strategies that I think is one of the next waves of, mm-hmm. of analysis, as well as what especially small shops can really, really rock. Um, first is tactical. We actually did a fun, uh, uh, review of online giving when Mm -hmm. people give like what day of the week and what time of the day that people give. And we found that it's, it's more often than not going to be an early afternoon, like an 1130 during the week, uh, Thursday being a really high point there. And, and I actually just published a blog that, that also in like kind of looked at this with commerce mm-hmm. and the spikes are the same, actually. Yeah. What what independent, you know, e-commerce research showed during the pandemic, the spikes are the same two periods. So 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 eleven around eleven o'clock and then another spike at eight PM. Hmm. So think about when you're that's when donors want to give. That's not when you're sending your appeal. You might be sending your appeal then, but that's when people are on their computer and they're doing it. So so yeah. uh, that's not me telling you tactically send all your emails out at 1130 a.m. on a Thursday, but just know that's when people are are prone to be active to open yeah. their, their wallet or use their 
digital wallet now. Uh, the other one that I'm just in love with is geographic analysis. Mm. So looking at where people live and how they give and yeah. small organizations, especially like I've seen some really effective, uh, like a local food bank in uh, Massachusetts started using us during the pandemic. And they actually shifted a lot of their traditional donors into um, monthly donors online and it was as simple as they never had that online option before and so just go to the page use qr code drive somebody to that and people are more prone to be like hey i live here like i want to give to this type of organization that's serving my community right so mm. think about your community and the geography and the demographics of the people that make up into it and that directly connects to the very first thing that we were talking about cindy absolutely um, I think that, oh, I could literally get off, get on a soapbox and talk about that one. I'm not going to oh, yeah. do it right now, but, uh, I certainly have, we'll have a series. We'll, have, <laughs> we'll a series. have a series. Um, Tim, I really appreciate having this conversation and I'd love for you to share with our listeners where they can get their hands on this report and how to follow, because I think as you mentioned, you're doing some more research. So yep. What's coming next? Yeah. So, um, you know, if you got it in the show notes, we'll put we'll put the URL there. But but typically, you know, shorthand neon one dot com under our resources slash resources, you can find it there. Um, but uh, we actually have built out a pretty extensive supporting. Look, nerds like me and Cindy are going to read 87 pages of analysis. But one of the other cool things that we created is an interactive data hub cool. so people can do filters for mission online giving, offline giving that that um, I'm actually working on geography right now. I just locked in um, the the uh, design scope for the geography data. So you can like click on where you live and it'll show you a profile of giving there. So that's all free online, right? Like you can go that none of this costs anything. Just go um, check it out and neon1.com. But we've also done uh, supporting webinars too. So Sabrina Walker Hernandez actually was our first person to do a webinar and she did the deep dive similar to her analysis on like how do I know who somebody is and she talked about buy it like she did this like awesome switch halfway through to be like hey remember your traditional webinar that you always see about this topic yeah we're gonna upend that right now <laughs> so, so go so watch it go on watch your website it. yeah on our website Love yeah it. everything's recorded and we do uh uh closed captions for everything for accessibility transcript all of it so yeah amazing and you mentioned something that I'm going to really encourage people to ch check out as part of that when you said you could filter by cause, yeah. because again, working with small organizations, a lot of them are not the like, quote unquote, bigger, sexy causes. And yep. they always think, well, no one supports what we do. Go check that out uh, because you're wrong about that too. So uh, Tim, thank you so much for being my guest today. It was a great conversation. Thank as you always. <laughs> Absolutely. Always, always. But now we get to record it. So other exactly. Can benefit. Exactly. And of course, to your listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I can't wait to see what you do with this information and we'll see you next week. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. 
As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week. Thank you.